Maybe we should start singing a song together. (laughs) (laughs) That would be entertainment. And just both break out into Tom Petty. (laughs) And I'm free. Like free falling. (laughs) Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm pretty good. Decent. Hanging in there. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'm having some therapist drama in my life. Oh, give it to me. Um, My therapist uh, has been going through a really tough time personally. Shoot. Her dad was diagnosed with uh, metastatic lung cancer. Wow. I don't know. Do they call it metastatic? When it's lung cancer, um, I don't know. I think they must, right? Anyway, it had it had spread pretty significantly, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up he passed away just last week. Oh shoot! And she had kind of been going back and forth, I guess, to visit him. He lives in another state, and so she was, you know, kind of unavailable for a while. And we also talked about how his diagnosis you know, might affect her and like the way that it could impact our therapeutic relationship. Wow. And it's so interesting because I talked about this with some friends who are not cancer people, but who are therapy people. Mm -hmm. And then I also talked about it with some cancer friends and the difference in their takes was really fascinating Mm. to me because my non-cancer friends who go to therapy were all like outraged. They were all like, this is totally inappropriate. She shouldn't be telling you about her personal problems. Like she's burdening you. It's unprofessional. Hmm. And then my cancer friends that I told about it were all like, oh man, that sucks so much for her. Like, do you feel like it's actually going to deepen your connection with her as a therapist? And I feel like I kind of ended up somewhere in between the two because it was honestly a little bit frustrating, you know, to have last minute cancellations and stuff. But overall, it's just it's funny how non-cancer people can get so rigid about stuff like that. Right. Well, they're also feeling um, defensive for you, you know. Oh, totally. Like you're their person. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I appreciate so much that they were they were concerned for me and, you know, my mental health, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, what do you what am I going to do? You know, like people have their own shit and cancer mm-hmm. just sucks all around. And I think it wasn't really realistic for me to expect that she would keep it from me entirely, right. nor was it necessarily appropriate for her too. I think it was actually kind of cool that she shared with me what was happening. Yeah. Um, 
on the chance that it did end up affecting our relationship. So she wasn't just like, <laughs> see you never, <laughs> you know, someday. Right. But yeah. Anyway, it's been weird. And so she's just kind of trying to ease back in right now. And I don't know. I'm curious to see if it'll be any different now that her dad has died. And I don't know if I'm going to feel hesitant to talk about stuff. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. I I know people have problems with their therapists because they don't have experience with cancer. So I know friends of mine who have complained that like they have to educate their therapist too much to yeah, actually like yeah. get what it's like. And then and then I have another friend whose therapist I think is a and I was going to say an ex-cancer person that <laughs> exists, but because they're a therapist, they they could not count. Um, but, you know, had gone through cancer years ago. And so I think that it can become a plus or it can become a minus because it's too much for the person. Yeah, you know? just like anybody else, I guess. <laughs> anybody else, right? But it is interesting that, you know, you could become too much for them to deal with during a really hard time, which is like not good for anybody i know but also you're like oh my god i'm too much right but like it's just it's part of the human experience and like totally like i said what am i gonna do also the bummer about all of this it was really really hard for me to find a therapist right and you invest so much yeah in that relationship yeah Mm -hmm. um so we'll see kind of how it shakes out but i don't know just shout out to any other cancer people who are kind of like trying to traverse the weird ass landscape of having therapy as a cancer person you should be like listen don't dump me yet just give me another chance i will only talk about my childhood (laughs) for three months and with no cancer just I've got plenty of non-cancer material for you. So many issues we could cover (laughs) that aren't even kids. It's well, I wish her well, and that sucks about her dad. They call it advanced lung cancer. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds more. It does like a terrible thing. Um, I do think, though, it's interesting that your cancer friends were having you know, more time for that. They're showing more sympathy. I've been thinking lately about how going through cancer changes just your place in the world, how you see the world. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. But the two things that stand out the most to me are how you don't stand for bullshit. You know, you just don't have time for it. We talk about this all the time. People cut people out of their lives who are not good yeah they change careers they stand up for themselves they advocate for them like whatever that may be yeah i see that a lot i feel that a lot and then the other side of things i feel like i have way more empathy for people yeah. and way more understanding so it's like i won't stand for bullshit but i'm also more understanding of bullshit but i have a much clearer eye of the difference between the two even though those two things could seem muddied you know absolutely i think that like i am less affronted by like casual bullshit yeah but i do think that maybe even just having any sort of big deal in your life you know i don't mm-hmm. i don't even think it's necessarily cancer because motherhood has definitely done some of this for me too but yeah just like 
understanding that like everybody's mostly doing their best yeah. and nobody's like usually out to get you, <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. some, sometimes people are definitely being assholes on purpose, but by and large, everybody is just trying their best. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, it didn't really come as a surprise to me that cancer people were like, well, she's on our team now. <laughs> yeah. Sucks to be her, but welcome to the club, bitch. <laughs> like, totally. It is. Yeah. It's it's a funny place to be. It's I, I try not to sound like holier than thou or anything or be like, oh, you're on a different plane than me, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's true. I just can't get outraged about a lot of stuff that used to piss me off. Mm hmm. But I also can get outraged. And that's cool, too. Oh, deeply. Like, the tools are, are better utilized. Absolutely. You know? like, Absolutely. The execution doesn't miss its mark as frequently mm-hmm. now. Or that's completely you know? true. The, the outrage tools are honed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look out. Oh, God. There was that. I'm going to talk about this for literally... 27 seconds because I cannot bear to even shine the smallest light on that stupid bitch from TikTok. Oh my God. She was shared a bunch recently. Don't Google it. Don't look it up, people, if you don't know what we're talking about, because she's just, I think that there is something mentally going on with her to be so awful, but she did some stupid TikTok video about how she was laughing, talking about how cancer uh, hasn't changed in. 80 years it's the same medication and how even if you're cured you're really just gonna die in three Mm -hmm. years you know like she just was going on and on about how stupid we are for thinking that putting poison in our bodies is gonna do us any good when um we all just die Ha, ha 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 but you know it's like that's the kind of shit you see where you're like either i just like let it roll off the duck's back as they say and like who gives a fuck or i'm gonna like make you wish that you fucking (laughs) never came into my path yeah but i kind of met her in the middle because you know there's too many people are commenting she's has like way too many views on that video so it's that awful thing where like now she has attention oh my god i'm almost at 28 seconds but um (laughs) but i did i did comment and i said Hey, anyone here that has cancer, since we're all going to quote unquote die so soon, let's all agree to haunt this bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like jokey and what, whatever. And obviously, like, I don't actually believe that's true, nor if I were a ghost, would I waste my fucking time with her. <laughs> but it was kind of funny. And you know, like, you can just kind of like, we can all take turns making her life a living hell <laughs> um, from the dark side. But anyway, that's the kind of person that I just want to like metaphorically walk by and shove in the pool, you know, just like, oh, my God, I totally would. <laughs> just like without a second glance. I totally would. You know, and also funnily enough, like not a hot take. People have been saying that shit for years. Like, yeah, it just shows the ignorance, the like deep, deep ignorance of people who say like medication hasn't changed treatment hasn't changed like things have changed drastically in fact (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. lucky for you that girl i guess that she doesn't know anybody with cancer but uh yeah it's embarrassing or that she hasn't been thrown in the pool yet (laughs) by me and you (laughs) she's awful and not unique unfortunately i hate her but do you know who i don't hate who my sister. 
Oh. But I'm really taking a very big risk if I tell you this very short story because I don't know if she's going to get really mad about it. But in my defense, I have called her numerous times and I have texted her and I left her a message asking if I could talk about this. Uh, I asked for permission. Did I get it? I didn't get it. <laughs> um, she can sue me. I don't I don't mind. Um, <laughs> no, I will talk about this very briefly. And I'm not mad at her. I love her. And Steph, you are going to play the part in this story by not agreeing with anything I say if I am saying that she was not being good. Okay. You have to always be on her side because she'll never forgive you if you say, all right, she shouldn't have done that. She'll say, oh, that's Steph called. I'm the devil's advocate. No, no, no. She's not the devil. I'm your sister's advocate. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> the angel's advocate. Yes. <laughs> but she did call me up. Or maybe we were texting and she said, so I kind of feel this little lump in my armpit. And I'm like, go to the doctor. We, t- we talked about it. It was chill. It was calm. You know, it was just kind of like, it didn't sound that concerning to me, but it definitely was like, go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She, she goes to the doctor and they say, I think that's just like a zit or like, I don't think it's of concern and it wasn't, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you implying that she would have a zit in her? <laughs> good, good. So you're doing a good job. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she would, she's beautiful. Otherwise she would never, she would <laughs> never. How dare you? Her armpits are disgusting. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to get this story wrong, but essentially what ended up coming about is the doctor then was like, oh, but what's this lump in your breast? And so it's like, oh, no, she has a lump in her breast and something in her armpit. But the armpits chill, the doctor says, and we all know how much I trust doctors. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're like, "Okay, schedule a mammogram with your sister's history. Let's just get it checked out. We don't want to mess around. But. I'm not too concerned. It could very easily just be whatever, but just because it's there, let's just do this. Keep in mind, my sister has had biopsies before because she has very, is it called like fibrous breasts? You know, when they're lumpier, like with fibroids and things in your breast? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Dense, beautiful breasts. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was like, well, is it just one of the biopsy clips? Because they actually leave like, the little clips in there so they know what they've already biopsy whatever yeah so she tells me all this and i'm like you know i feel like we're cool here this is cool like we're not freaking out this all seems very normal they're doing their job like yeah i'm sorry that i have put you into high alert mode like i've put your doctors in high alert around you because of me even though there's no genetic connection i mean there is we're siblings between us but you know what i mean yeah yeah um so then she doesn't go get a mammogram and she just, I text her, what happened with the mammogram? Oh, I haven't made my appointment yet. Why haven't you made your appointment yet? So I start to get a little ticked off, but like yeah. I said, I, you don't really like tell my sister off about things. And I was trying not to freak her out either by being like, <laughs> oh my God, you have cancer, you know, get it, you know. Yeah. But as the weeks wore on, I started to get really stressed out about it. And then I saw her over Christmas and she was, again, Steph, 
make sure if I cross any boundaries here, you defend Listen, her. Listen, it's the holiday season. <laughs> She's been very busy. You don't even know what she did yet. You don't even know what she did. <laughs> um, She was kind of like giving my mom the who's and the what's about not doing something. So going to some appointment or something or like, you haven't called them, mom. You need to go do this or you need to check this out or... And I was like, what are you talking about? And I don't even remember what it was, but it was just like how my mom was supposed to go see some specialist about something. And I was like, have you made your mammogram appointment? And she was like, this isn't about that. Like, don't worry. I'm only worried about mom. Like, I don't care about myself right now. I need to. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you need to care about yourself, you know, and don't yell at mom if you're, you know, like it was just like, you know, whatever. All the the dials Mm -hmm. women were all. It's Christmas. <laughs> um, anyway, it was fine. It was chill. But then more weeks go by. No mammogram. And then I start like really worrying about it. Like I start thinking I'm like, I still think it's probably nothing. But if it's not like. Weeks and weeks and weeks and a few months like catch it early means catch it before it has spread too far or gone too far or whatever that may be but who knows where we're at or you know if it is something yeah it was like a mix of being pissed that she wasn't taking it seriously or like doing that thing where I could tell she was probably just like didn't want to deal with it because she was probably a little freaked out about it and stressed out about it which I get and I hear about people doing but it enrages me because I'm like after everything I've been through I'm like go do it like if it's there it's yeah. there if it is there it is not going anywhere so deal with it and if it's not there then find out as soon as you can to not worry about it anymore yeah I feel like there is just this circle of trauma yeah. happening where like you know your mom has a type of cancer you have a type of cancer that has traumatized you your cancer has traumatized your whole family your mom your sister mm-hmm. my cancer and other cancer people that you know are advanced cancer has traumatized you and it's just this like loop of people who feel invalidated by you know whatever the response is to their feelings mm-hmm. obviously like you want to live in ignorant bliss for a little while but not dealing with something for you I could imagine like seeing your sister not deal with it could feel really invalidating like I had to go through all of this you don't get to avoid it also you're so worried and want everything to be okay and want her to take it Mm -hmm. seriously I get it also like if it was the worst thing ever like I can't deal with her being sick and I can't go through that with her and have it be really really bad yeah on top of what I already have to deal with is my own self like I can't have hers be worse you know what I mean or I don't know like there's just like this thing of like let me just hold that for us siblings like I can yeah. be the one that had this happen like I don't need I can't deal with her ever getting sick so anyway I ended up texting her and I was just like, listen, I obviously have a lot of trauma surrounding my own like cancer experience. And like this is getting to the point where like I'm like losing sleep thinking about this and worrying about you. And 
I know deep down that I believe that you're fine and that this isn't of concern. But until I actually know that, the what ifs about it are just like really, really, really stressing me out. And then she texted me back like the next day or I don't remember and said, okay, I made my appointment. I'm going in on Thursday or something. And it was fine. Obviously, like I wouldn't be telling this long drawn out story to be like, and then she had breast cancer, but I'm still mad about how she didn't, you know, like, no, no, no. Um, yes, it was just a fibroid, I think. Um, but yeah, but it is just like that thing where like, I don't know, like every, everything is like, also she doesn't get to have her own experience anymore around it, which is also unfair to her. Yeah. Like, not that you should ever put stuff off, but you know, she is an adult. It's her body. She gets to make choices about stuff, but, but she kind of like, isn't allowed that anymore because <laughs> yeah. of my trauma. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, once again, it's like that, that whole built up empathy that we have for people. Mm -hmm. I think that like, I see all of the good intentions and even just like the the avoidance makes so much sense to me everybody's part that they played in that makes absolute perfect sense to me as somebody mm -hmm. who has you know seen family relationships be affected by cancer seen people be freaked out seen people put things off yeah. and other people stress out about putting things off and everybody is really doing their best and to worry about your sister is obviously a normal thing to do and to put off scary hearing possibly scary news is a normal thing to do. And I'm really mm -hmm. glad she's okay. Me too. It It's fucked up that cancer has affected your whole family this way yeah. for the rest of your lives. You know, mm -hmm. it's also like an interesting thing to me. And this has happened with a couple of friends where, um, I want to ask like, what was the goal in telling you? First, first of all, you know, mm -hmm. because I've also had people tell me that they're concerned about something and then not follow up on it. And uh -huh. I'm like, well, what, what did you expect me to do? Right. You, you knew I was going to worry. You knew I was going to pressure you to get it checked out. And then if you weren't going to do that, maybe you should have told somebody else who was going right. to validate your. Mm -hmm. See, that is what I was just going to say next. I wanted to like be like, cut the bullshit, go get the shit taken care of. But I also was like, I have to really be gentle because she's never going to tell me anything like this again. Yeah. If yeah. I just suddenly try to like step in and control it all and like make her feel like she's doing everything wrong, you know, then yeah. she'll never tell me. And I want her to tell me stuff. Yeah. But I totally know what you mean. You know, we've talked about this before too here about how oh you have cancer like i'm worried about this thing how did you know you know yeah you become the gateway person yeah. you've got like the the keys to the medical fright <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't i really don't mind being that person for people because you know i don't mind but i know a lot of people get really upset about it it's hard yeah yeah i mean i think that it's 
good for non-cancer people or people who are in the middle of a scare like that to ask ahead of time. Ask your cancer friends mm-hmm. or family members like, hey, are you up for this? Or is it OK if I run yeah, this by you? For sure. Um, because so many of us are down for it. Like mm-hmm. we don't mind. But do check in first. Yeah. Kind of like I checked in with my sister to see if I could talk to her in front of hundreds and hundreds of people on a podcast. (laughs) I checked in. That's right. I'm sorry. I I had cancer. (laughs) Forgive me. She was very sweet, though. She texted me and she's like, I just can't believe you had to go through this. I barely even, you know, had to do anything right now. And like, it just makes me just think about everything you've had to go through her biopsy dude she's she was like it hurt so so but like the way she was explaining how much it hurt i was like it's not supposed to hurt like that like did they not numb you proper like that's not it mine hurt too i could feel it but not the way she was describing it her poor boob and i am violating hipaa here by telling you this (laughs) was so purple for days 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 after it was the entire breast was the brightest purple blue bruise ever at that point i was definitely like fuck this shit i was like you need to call the nurse you need it like this is you know (laughs) i was i'm calling the hospital administrators (laughs) and my lawyer because we are suing these people no it was bad but it healed and she is healthy (laughs) sorry i became oprah for a minute (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad she's healthy me too um yeah so there's that good good so what else were you thinking about here um i was thinking about this uh facebook memory that popped up for me Mm -hmm. several days ago And it just got me thinking about the whole idea of like cancer premonitions. Oh, yes. It was a memory from 2018, which was uh, about a year and a half before I was diagnosed. And um, my cancer was like, it was huge. The primary tumor was gigantic, but it's a low grade tumor. So that Mm -hmm. means it's slow growing. And when I was diagnosed, my oncology team was like, yeah, this could have been growing for like 10 years. You know, we have no idea when it started. So odds are that a year and a half before there was already significant cancer in my body. And this Facebook memory was from a time that I had the flu. And I hardly have ever had the flu in my life. I think I've had it like two times. Same, same. Baby people that don't get the flu get cancer fuck watch out (laughs) i would have taken the flu more times (laughs) to avoid the cancer um but this flu was like heinous i seriously was like i may Mm. die from this i had super high fevers i had like 104 fever and i was having all these wild fever dreams nice and um this dream that I had was so weird that I like posted it on Facebook because what what else was I going to do? I was like lying there watching TV and on my phone while I had the flu. And so it was like a dream where I had met this woman who had just taken the pills for doctor assisted suicide mm-hmm. in my dream. And she had asked me to be her death doula. And so she took me back to her house, which was a trailer. And she asked me to do a tarot card 
three card tarot pull for her. And I did. Um, but then suddenly I couldn't see anything anymore. My eyes were, were stuck shut. And so Mm -hmm. I pulled these three cards and, um, I had her tell me what they were and it was the fool, the three of cups and the empress. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, you know, I obviously don't want this to turn into the like tarot cast, but, um, the fool for people who don't know that much about tarot, the fool is like starting out on a long journey. Like you're on the precipice of something. You're kind of blithely mm-hmm. bebopping into the great unknown. Um, and then the three of cups, usually on most tarot decks, it's depicted as three women kind of um, in community. Sometimes like you could construe it as in celebration Um And then the Empress is like the divine feminine, um, women's intuition kind of Mm -hmm. things, things along those lines. So those three cards to me in retrospect were really like, uh, oh my God, this seems to say a lot about potentially, you know, (laughs) having cancer in your body and being buoyed by your femme community and, Mm -hmm. um, listening to your intuition about shit that's going down in your body. Yeah. And the three women, me, you and every individual listener. We have yes! so many women listeners. <gasps> Just kidding. That's not what you thought it was. What did you think? No, but I do think I, I ran this dream by our friend Lowry, who is a friend of the podcast because she's a tarot person, too. And she was like, oh, I totally think that it's like the community that you guys have built um, and like the cancer community that you found. Because it is so like women heavy, you know, it's yeah. like all all these women supporting each other. Mm-hmm. But then in the dream, I couldn't open my eyes and the doctor showed up and I was like, is she dead? Is she still here? Like, I can't see. And he he thought I was asleep and I had to keep being like, I'm not asleep. My eyes are just closed. Like, I can't open my eyes. So it freaked me out when I saw that memory, knowing that there was cancer kind of coursing through my body. Yeah. With your eyes closed, you're blind to what's happening. Yes. And also, that's kind of crazy that the doctor incorrectly thought that you were sleeping or dead. Would you say? Yes. Sleeping. Sleeping. And then you had to be like, no, no. And then like in real life, you were incorrectly diagnosed at first by a doctor. By a man. Yeah. A A male doctor. Yeah. And in the dream, it was a man also. Um, Wow. It's just it's really interesting. And it led me to do a little bit of research on like premonitions and dreams and things Mm -hmm. like that around diseases and chronic illness diagnosis and cancer diagnosis and stuff. I love it. Did you know we asked some of our listeners if they've had premonitions too? Yeah. Yeah. What did they say? Um, Honestly, we got so many responses saying that their pets knew. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, I've got so many letters. We might have to do just like a full on letters episode nonstop. We got a lot of letters. Oh, we should. We should. Um, This person says my cancer started as a small ulcer on my tongue. I went to the doctor. She said I had a vitamin deficiency and told me to keep an eye on it. It wouldn't go away. And my dog kept sniffing my mouth, something she'd never really done before. I made an appointment with a dentist, which led to getting diagnosed with oral cancer. It's crazy. 
Wow. This person said, yes, my dog knew he would sit in front of me every time I sat down and would just cry while staring at me with very intense eyes as if he was trying to tell me something. I thought he was becoming needy. And then the day I was diagnosed, I came home and cried on the couch and he sat there with me and cried and his eyes changed to the now, you know, kind of look. <laughs> Cruel. That's cold, little dog. Um, it's like I told you. I'm going to read one more of the pet ones. We seriously got so many pet responses. It's legit. And I don't want to spoil anything. But based on those responses, I may have tailored a rats. Ooh, just la, for, la, la. Just for these doggos. <laughs> just for these doggos. Okay. Speaking of doggos, this is the last one I'm going to read, but. It says, my dog Winston absolutely knew. He kept sniffing the area on good old lefty where the tumor was eventually found. I'd push him away while doing my best Arnold Schwarzenegger impression from kindergarten cop. Oh, God. Do it. Do it. Do Do it. It's not a tumor. (laughs) (laughs) Womp womp. Fast forward to the tumor being found a few months later during my routine mammojama. No one could feel it, even though we knew the location. It was hard to find via ultrasound. Sneaky bitch. LOL. After diagnosis, I started a Google Doc and named it the dog's nose nose. <laughs> Which we might have to name this episode. Uh, my good boy was with me throughout treatment, surgery, and most of radiation. Sadly, he was diagnosed no. with uh, a brain tumor oh. that took him quickly despite medical attempts to save him. Gosh, dang it. Are you serious? Winston. Um, he crossed the Rainbow Bridge just before I finished radiation. That was a fucking hard day. A good boy until the end. Oh, no. Winston. Dude, maybe his sniffing, his sniffing of old lefty was really him like his brain tumor was like <laughs> weighing him down next to just like dropping his head near her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm awful. That's horrible. Okay. That's horrible. That's so bad. Cut that out. I'm sorry. I will never make fun of your dead dog again. Why didn't you sniff out his brain tumor? <gasps> oh, Steph! JK, JK. <sighs> I actually stole that joke from Amy, by the way. No, 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 um, no, no. Don't say that. <laughs> no, you can have it. You can have it. I would never say something like that. It's true. Um... What I found in this article on discovermagazine.com that I will link in the show notes, obviously. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, what? Whoa. What? What kind of person starts doing a rats without the rats theme song? It's not rats. It's not even rats. Oh, I thought you just started going into rats as if you could just do that. I would never. Okay. My apologies. Please continue. Um. <laughs> I found this article on discovermagazine.com that's about um dreaming or like premonitions or whatever. And oh, it's pretty interesting. Um I need to like you you can uh follow the link trail in this article yourself if you want to, but um briefly like it's 
been studied that um, people with sleep disturbances that provoke physical activity, um, you know, like when you wake up like kicking or screaming or something, they have a higher mm-hmm. risk of developing Parkinson's. Um, people who have more vivid dreams regularly, they report better quality sleep, which totally makes sense to me. Ooh. Like you're sleeping, you know, solidly enough that you get a nice vivid dream. Um Nightmares can be linked to heart disease because uh, what? Yeah, it decreases the amount of oxygen reaching your brain and disrupts your sleep. And wow. so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. But basically what the the people interviewed for this article say, um, <laughs> specifically this person named Tor Nielsen, who's the director of get this. I want this on my business cards. The Dream and Nightmare Laboratory. At the University Ooh. of Montreal. Um, basically. Wow. That should be our podcast network name. Yeah. <laughs> the Dream and Nightmare. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, the Center for Dreams and Nightmares. Yes. That's what cancer is all about, after all. Yes. So basically, he just says, it's, he calls it a, quote, dipstick into your unconscious and basically says, like, Ooh. your consciousness is always working. So... It may be picking up on things that you can't necessarily pinpoint yourself. Mm -hmm. So he says, like, it's pretty controversial in broader medical professions to attribute anything legitimate to dreams or premonitions or anything like that. But there are some examples in research of it actually happening where people will have like a very vivid dream. For example, in the article, they talk about somebody who had a dream about a panther biting his back in this one particular spot. And he found Mm -hmm. a cancerous mole there um, Mm. that needed to be removed. So things like that. And basically, obviously, it's, you know, your body knows there's something going on there. Maybe Mm -hmm. you can't see it, but your consciousness is still at work. And so it finds a different way to alert you. And maybe, you know, that's just your body's way of processing that information. Wow. And it's called prodromal dreaming, um, which is like diagnosing yourself. That's basically what it means. There have been people who have these very vivid prodromal dreams and they've been studied. It's legitimate. Like they are identifying things that are actually wrong with their bodies. But it's also kind of hard to study because obviously they're not being studied until they have a dream that actually does diagnose something. So Mm -hmm. retroactively, it's kind of hard to believe. Right. But I thought it was fascinating. I also feel like you can kind of like interpret dreams. They're a little bit like tarot or astrology where you can kind of like make them into a story to fit whatever's going on in your life a little bit too you know like oh for sure that's why I think it's hard to take them seriously because you can you can't say ahead of time like this person has cancer and like work backwards you know like right so obviously you have to take their word for it that they actually had a dream about it Mm -hmm. I get the skepticism but it's also neat to think about yeah, it's so neat to think about. I had a recurring dream for a very long time. I don't know, maybe like two years or something. And I don't have it anymore. I maybe have had it like once or twice since my cancer treatment time. Uh huh. 
But when I look back on it now, I'm a little bit like, was that about knowing something was in my body that was going to kill me? And it was like, it would always be a house or an apartment or some sort of like new home that I was moving into or living in that I was like, this is amazing. This house is so wonderful. This apartment's huge and these high ceilings and the plants that are hanging down, you know, like the light it gets. Yeah. I would be just so stoked. And then I would wander into, usually it would be a basement. Um, and I would find like a secret door that would lead me into another huge, huge space. But it would always be so haunted. Like just that room, just that space. Once I got in there, I would feel like the, it was just absolute crippling, shuddering, terrifying fear in this like freezing, creepy, just like awareness of just evil and darkness and terror. But you know, it wasn't anything you could see or feel. It was just like I would go in there and immediately I would feel it. And I would like test myself, you know, like, oh, it's this room again. Oh, it's going to be haunted. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I'm just I'm not even going to go in there, you know, because I'd be aware enough in my dreams. Like I've been here before and I'd be like, OK, I'm just going to go in there to see just to prove that I'm right, that it's going to be this room again. And like I'd go in and sure enough. It would Ooh, come and weird. And also like. Sometimes it would be a very spacious area and I'd be like, should I just rent this room out and (laughs) make some extra money? Maybe somebody else wouldn't sense this, but then I would feel guilty and not do it. But it would just be this whole thing of like, what the fuck? But anyway, but now I look back on this being like in my otherwise perfectly fine life that's going. And especially at the time of my diagnosis, you know, I just had this baby and, you know, gotten back together with this wonderful ex-boyfriend of mine who I did have the baby with. I didn't get together <laughs> with a boyfriend after I, I told that in the wrong order. But, you know, like everything was really like coming together for me. And then meanwhile... Except for that creepy ass freak basement. Yes. Just the darkest of the dark. I don't know. But I, I don't know. Then I also think if somebody were to tell me that dream, I would say, oh, that means that there's something in you, like, emotionally yeah, that you need to yeah. deal with. There's something that you think is, like, weighing you down or something you need to go, you know, which I can't think of what that would be for me. It was cancer. I mean, <laughs> was it, though? Maybe you have something even worse. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's like, your sister, your sister is going to have a cancer scare. Is it? In six years, she doesn't have cancer. Don't rent it out. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been really into dreams or dream interpretations at all. Um, But it has it's been kind of interesting going down this road, like seeing where it leads. Um, I have friends that are into dream interpretations and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I ran it by some of them and they were all like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, that meant cancer. Mm. That's what that meant. It's like, okay, thanks, guys. Yeah. Could uh but I'm I'm pretty good at dream dream interpretation too. I could also think it could mean like at that point in your life I would need to know what's going on, who you're spending time with, what the dynamics were. But I could see it having to do with like you feeling like you're in a, in a place you're not supposed to be. Like the intimacy of being asked to 
witness and help with a stranger's death. Like that is like such yeah. an important moment. That's such a weight. And like you having your eyes closed to it might be like sort of saying like, I can't do this. Like, even though I'm trying to and wanting to, like, I can't properly help you, you know? So it could be something about like that too. I don't know. Yeah. Like taking on responsibilities that I'm not really prepared for. Or... Yeah. Or like you probably are prepared for them or we're prepared for them. But like just that thing that we all do where we deep inside ourselves might second guess certain things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But it was obviously really about cancer. <laughs> I like that that alternative though. I'm just playing the angel's advocate <laughs> now. <sighs> oh jeez. Well, well do you have an actual rat? I do have an actual rat and I'm excited to share it. Let's hear it. promised as teased hearing about everybody's dogs who sniffed out their cancer made me very curious because of course everyone knows this is hugely common in the cancer world Mm. people who have pets are always like absolutely my dog knew absolutely my cat knew yeah um And so I wanted to know if it was true, if it had actually been researched or anything. And it turns out it is true. It's true, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, because obviously dogs and cats have good sniffers. Their olfactory sense is amazing. Mm -hmm. 10,000 times what humans have, in fact. Is it really that cancer just smells like, you know raw chicken or something there's like (laughs) (laughs) smells like bacon yeah totally um so that's actually not that far off yes there is this article that i found i will obviously be linking to all of these in the show notes but basically what happens with many different kinds of solid tumors particularly like lung cancer, breast cancer, and then um, like colon cancer, anything that is related to like secretions or whatever. So poop, breath, snot, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Sweat? Did you say sweat? I didn't say sweat, but yes, sweat too. Mm -hmm. So what happens is for, for these solid tumors is when the cells die, it creates a different scent. So it's kind of like rotting, ooh, flesh rotting, you know, whatever kind of smell. And that's one of the things that they say attracts animals to the tumor site is smelling that dead flesh, dead cell scent, which is really gross. Another thing that I found really fascinating was that there was a, an example in one of these articles where a cat had had a type of skin cancer. She'd had a melanoma and it was removed. She was fine, but it had been kind of a lengthy process and she had had it for a while before it was diagnosed and removed. And then her owner got a melanoma and the cat 
started behaving very bizarrely and kind of pawing at, scratching at the site, smelling it. And basically Mm -hmm. what the researchers said was the cat recognized the same smells Mm. and it was like re-traumatizing her. Okay. I like this. I'm into it. But how does the cat know its melanoma was bad? Like when we as people always are like, I feel fine, but I have cancer. What's the deal? You know, like where you can't even feel it. How does the cat know that its melanoma was bad? Well, they would have been able to smell it. Oh. They smelled the melanoma and then, you know, it was taken out. Yeah. Okay. I got you now. They can smell it on their own bodies too. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. Of course. But mostly what we hear is that dogs can smell cancer, right? Yeah. So interestingly enough, they are studying this with dogs. And I found the absolute cutest video that I cannot wait to share in the show notes of these two dogs named Florin and Midas, who Mm. were enrolled in a research study where they tried to accurately diagnose prostate cancer. And they were successful. Um, Mm. One of the things that apparently is a hitch in the whole dogs diagnosing cancer thing is that typically the dogs have to see a change in the person's odors. And Mm -hmm. so they would have to have an established relationship with the patient in order Mm -hmm. to then identify when their smell changes. Hmm. But what they're doing is teaching dogs what different cancers smell like and then hoping that they can not use the dogs necessarily to diagnose people, which is a bummer because it would be so cute to just have dogs like going around sniffing people's breath and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But they're trying to use the dogs as a model for making AI that Mm. is basically an electronic nose whoa yeah so particularly they're trying to use this for patients with non-small cell lung cancer and copd which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder um because exhaled breath contains a lot of volatile organic compounds that Hmm. are used as non-invasive markers for lung cancer so It's obviously much less invasive than a biopsy or something like that. Mm -hmm. It detects things that you can't detect in a blood test, but you have to have a dog that knows the person in order to effectively use a dog for diagnosis. So instead, they're trying to create new neural pathways in artificial intelligence that mimic the way that dogs are able to... Mm use their olfactory sense. It's very weird. I do not completely understand it. But I do not like either. I'll just throw all of these links up in the show notes and people can go through them themselves. Hmm. Um, patient breath is a big one that they're using, but also urine, like I said, and feces too. Um, it seems like they're able to replicate the results in a, in a lot of cases. So it's effective, um, dogs definitely have this ability. It's legit. If you think your dog smelled your cancer, um, you could probably put them in one of these cute little medical research dog vests. If that strikes your fancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Amazing. Yeah. So they're hoping that this artificial intelligence will be able to be developed into an app. Oh, come on. An app? Yeah. Isn't that wild? It's crazy to think about how big people are dreaming about cancer diagnostics. How's the app going to work? You will literally blow into it. That's what they're hoping. But it would have to be a contraption that goes into your phone. It's not just going to have your phone. I don't know, dude. If you tell me right now that my iPhone can smell, I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) That's why you get all of those um, targeted ads for deodorant. (laughs) Just kidding. That was a good diss. I'm going to accept that just for creativity. I'm not even mad. Um, My next question is my, um, what's this called here? My ribs? Mm-hmm. are are still tender from radiation and surgery and yada yada and i keep getting told it's not cancer it's it's just you know after effects of this crap but lately i've been like it's a little bit lower than that area though so why are they tender i'm obviously like in need of you know gotta put the credit card down for that coffin um <laughs> But then my cat keeps sleeping. Like, I sleep on my side, and then my cat keeps sleeping on my ribs. And I keep thinking, she knows. She fucking knows there's cancer in my ribs. But then I think, maybe my ribs are tender because a 10-pound cat keeps sleeping on them. Yeah. I think, Which is it? I think that you're in luck because it doesn't seem like animals are drawn to it and want to spend time with cancer. In your body, no, but she she's worried about me. She wants to heal it. She wants to cover it so it won't. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right. I'm I'm with you. I think that Stacy is a very smart and very loving cat, <laughs> but it's more likely that your armpit area is warm and cozy, and your ribs are sore because she's <laughs> she's a chonky cat, and I have a bad bed. That too, because we both have beds in a box, and fuck those. They are. The worst. We already kind of made fun of beds in the box before, but can I just say though those are going to be one of the biggest jokes about this era or the the 2010s will be like like in 30 years it'll be like one of those like we all had these things ha 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 and it'll be like the bed in the box ha 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 you know like it'll be like when we talk about and now we all have scoliosis ha 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 it's true. But, you know, like when we talk about like hypercolor T-shirts and shit, just like, what was up with that? We all had these weird things, you know, it's fucking beds in the box. I hate them. I get so mad. We both have them. (laughs) (laughs) Real mattress company needs to sponsor us. Yeah. We'll take their money and their new bed. Um, I did want to real quickly do a quick update on our friend Patty. Oh, yes. Remember Patty? We talked about her. I think it was in our birthday episode, anniversary of the Pop Coast episode. The, po- the Pop Coast. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Pop Coast with Amy and Steph. <laughs> um, but she was trying to get some freaking Keytruda. Keytruda Limparza combo. Yeah, exactly. She has stage four uterine cancer and... I, I hyped that study, that um, clinical trial that she was yes, trying to get on. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. But her... Still enrolling. Still enrolling, by the way. It's still enrolling. We can link to that again, too. But her type of uterine cancer is, like, slightly different than the clinical trials. So they weren't going to let her do it. But then 
um, she has like a chemo resistant cancer. So she's just like, come on. But her oncologist went to bat for her. She was having trouble getting the drugs, getting insurance to cover it. But she wrote us and said that she got the freaking drugs. Yeah. And so she's doing them and it's her birthday. So happy birthday, <gasps> Patty Cakes. It'll be a few days after your birthday when you hear this. But, um, and also we got a new, um, donor on our buy me a coffee. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to Nina and she thank you Nina. left us a nice little message and said, before I found your podcast, I felt like I was doing survivorship wrong. Thanks for creating a safe and comfy space for me to feel less weird in. Oh, yay! plenty of room for the weirdos right here. Indeed. I wanted to say, too, about that um, clinical trial that we were talking about a few episodes back. Um, I I saw this cool Twitter thread the other day where people were talking about neat things that cancer Twitter has brought into their mm-hmm. lives. And several people said they actually found clinical trials through nice. Twitter. And I think that that is a really cool thing about the power of social media mm-hmm. and podcasts and things like that, that patients are able to find their own clinical trials and new drugs and things like that, and then bring them back to their oncology team and say, hey, is this right for me? Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously our doctors and teams are busy. They don't have time necessarily to keep up with every single thing, especially if they don't work at a research hospital or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you hear about a cool clinical trial that's happening, that's enrolling new patients or a cool new drug combo that you think is worth talking about, please send it to us because we will definitely share the info. Um, this is how people find out about clinical trials and get their hospitals to participate in them, um, get enrolled themselves. And I think that it's a really neat thing about the the 2022 <gasps> cancer scene. Oh my scene. God, this is awful and hilarious your, and perfect. Sister... She's calling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put her on speakerphone. Okay. okay. This is great. Liz? Yeah. Sorry, my phone was off. You liar. No, I swear to God it was. Okay. Um, listen, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. You could say no, but if I no. in a very did you already say no? Yeah, I did. Come on. You can you can say something else, but I'm gonna say no. But I'm just what is it? What's going on? What? So I wanted to very nicely talk about the lump you found and how you didn't make your mammogram appointment and how I got kind of stressed out about it and made you do it. But I want to talk about that on the podcast, but I want your permission because it turned, I'm not going to be mean, you know, I'll, I'll do it in a a respectful way. Wait, why? (laughs) Because why not? Because it's, it's just, you know, we have listeners who, have families they have family dynamics weird things come up like this all the time and i think it's relatable i'm not gonna say anything mean and i'm not gonna be like calling you out i'm just gonna say that i got stressed out about it uh-huh uh-huh okay okay and i'm gonna say that your boob got really purple from the biopsy which was not fair like which is nice of me to say because it wasn't fair Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um mm, mm -hmm. let me think uh 
Um, okay, so you're not going to make shit up to make it funnier or something and make me sound more dumb than I was. No, I don't make you sound dumb. Am I funny? Naturally, but... Of course. <laughs> um, the other thing is... I'm going to watch your kid for a few days during spring break. So this is how you're going to pay me. Wow. I knew it was going to be something. How about if I let you listen to it? And if you don't like it, we can cut it. Oh, I don't want to listen to it. God, that would make me throw up. <laughs> okay. Well, can I tell you something that's going to really piss you off? You already did it. <laughs> I already recorded you, it. You did, didn't you? I didn't put it out yet. Oh my god. I didn't put it out yet. Human. I was gonna check with you first. I didn't put it out yet. But Okay. But I have something worse to tell you. <laughs> What's going on? What? I'm recording right now and you're on speakerphone. But I have it it's not live. I can I can delete it. What the fuck? <laughs> you are the worst human. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear Steph because I have headphones on, but she's cracking up in the background. Uh huh. Good for Steph. I used to like <laughs> See, I told you, Steph, you don't cross my sister. I used Tell to her like I represented her well. <laughs> See, <laughs> Steph, Steph was representing you in my story. She was the one who was. She was giving sympathy. She was uh-huh. on your side throughout it so you were not on um you, you had an appointed counsel yes you were you had a- mm-hmm. well she's usually usually the smart one out of both of you but- no arguing no arguing there <laughs> not now forget about it and i'm the one with terrible judgment and i should have asked well, you're you. usually the asshole yeah she's usually the nice one yeah in this case you're both assholes yeah yeah, it's mm-hmm, true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, Liz. That's so, so are you, this a speaker, is this going to be part of your fucking little show? A very small bit of it. But not not the whole combo, but just a tiny little bit because oh, it's funny. <sighs> Tell her just why You're she calls us assholes. Diva. <laughs> I'm turning into a diva. All right. Do you want to just work it out another time? When how mad you are? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can do whatever you want. Don't like <gasps> whatever. Just do whatever you always do anyway. No, I don't. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay. I know. I know. Okay. All right. I'm the one that embarrasses my own self, so it's fine. <laughs> just fine. Just yeah, do whatever you want. I don't want to hear it. No one's gonna hear it. <laughs> well, <duh. laughs> um. Okay. All right. Well, I gotta. I gotta go, Mom. I'm recording my podcast. I gotta go. Good. Go. Go. Okay. Anything else you want to say? Um, anything to our no. listeners? Oh my god, shut up. No, I'm not saying no. I'm, come on. I'm the shy one. F you all. 
<laughs> Same here. Okay. Uh, love you. Love you. Bye. <laughs> oh, poor Liz. I love the Dials family drama. <laughs> a plus. Oh, what's this? Is how the Dials family works. Liz, you're a peach, even though you won't listen to this. <laughs> I'm glad I don't want her to listen. It's my own private space. My own private. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks for the buy me a coffee, as we were saying. Yes. And if anyone else wants to uh, buy us a coffee, please do. We have a link and we have a Patreon. You could donate a very small amount per month. And you could buy some Claws Out nail polish. Boom. That's right. F Cancer is the name of the color. Benefits our show. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Mm-hmm. If you're so moved. Do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I guess we should wrap it up, eh? I suppose we should. Um, Uh, Become a Patreon and follow us on Instagram, Cancer for Breakfast, Twitter, Cancer Breakfast. Indeed. Have a great day. Have a great day, boy. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.